Welcome. This podcast is brought to you by The Seat and Shine. We are your hosts today. I am Lisa. And I am Bridget. And in each episode, we are looking forward to sharing stories about individuals who have ties to Elizabeth and or her mission. And so, Lisa, today, who are we going to be discussing? Um, We are going to discuss the Harper family today. They were a very wealthy Baltimore family who would become close friends with Mother Seton. Although they helped her, her children, and her school, she had quite an impression on them, too. I'm really excited about this family that we're sharing with everyone because it wasn't just um, her leaving an impression on them during the time that she was alive, but it was the longevity of the impression on the family that I think one of their daughters, Emily, stayed in contact with Catherine Seaton well for 20-something years after Mother Seaton's time. Well, yeah, really the rest of their lives, Catherine and Emily, um, die actually a year apart, and they stayed friends um, that whole time. And and I agree. I think Mother Seaton, um, she taught them how to do good works, certainly, and um, the children to become better people, I think. So basically taught them how to give back. Right. And so, of course, we got to start with the father. Right, right. So um, the Harper family consisted of Robert Goodloe Harper. Um, He did a lot. He was a lawyer, a politician. He was a member of the American Colonization Society. And he was married to Catherine Kitty Carroll Harper. So she was the daughter of Charles Carroll of Carrollton. Um, he was and this is the same Carrollton Manor that's down in Frederick, correct? Right, right, yes. on Buckystown. Yes. Um, Charles Carroll owned a lot of land, including the land that we're on um, at one time. Um, and he was a senator, a wealthy landowner, but most importantly, he signed the Declaration of Independence. He was the only Catholic to sign the Declaration of Independence. Um, he was married to a woman named Mary Darnell, and they had seven children. Um, Mary dies um, shortly after the birth of their seventh child at the age of 32. Um, They had six daughters and one son. Um, Unfortunately, four of those daughters die before the age of three. So Kitty um, is alive, a little girl, when the last of those four daughters dies. Um, And so that left Polly and Kitty and their brother Charles. So really four of their seven children die Um, as infants, as small children. Um, So to Charles Carroll, it was important that not only his son get a really good education, but that the girls get a really good education. He truly believed in girls um, being educated and experiencing history. And in his position, he really took advantage of that. He took them with him to work, which was the Senate. And so that was for a time in New York, and then it moved to Philadelphia, and he took the girls there to, to witness everything that was happening at yeah. the time. So this is really kind of going to come to light of where did Mother Seton fall into that, but the notoriety that Mother Seton was in a way privileged to. These are early Americans that helped to found our country. Right. And they really laid the groundwork for the future of not just only for the country, but for the Catholic Church as well. Correct. I mean, these are very important people. Um, he took them when George Washington resigned his commission, when he came out of retirement and was sworn in as president, and they were even at his funeral. 
um, which their fathers spoke at. Um, there's a painting um, at the Capitol building today in Washington, D.C., where George Washington is resigning his commission and who is in the painting, but Charles Carroll and his two little daughters are there. I think they're 13 um, and five at the time. So they were very used to being around very important people. And, and he really, Charles Carroll, really emphasized, this is history and you need to know it. You need to know who these people are. And so I think that's where the whole education and wanting that strong education, but also wanting a Catholic education. And we see that like, when they're 16 years old, they get sent away to Europe to finish their education, usually with sisters, Kitty in 1794, is in um, Belgium, and she's at a convent of the Holy Scepter, um, finishing her education, but she's also enjoying the latest fashions and traveling around, so typical 16-year-old girl. So again, um, she is a socialite, right. and that right. was something that even Mother Seton herself was very familiar with, except the only difference is Kitty was a devout Catholic. Correct, yes. So um, Holly is eight years older than her, um, and she marries a man named Richard Caton, and they have four daughters. And we're going to talk about um, some of their daughters, a couple of their daughters, a little bit. But these were girls that were certainly socialites. And they um, are called um, the Queens of America, I think, because they all married European royalty. Um, and they give back to Mother Seton. We see that in later years. They're giving money to the academy here. Um, and so she even made an impression on them, even though none of them attended here um, in Emmitsburg. Now, Charles Carroll did not agree with Kitty's choice to marry Robert Goodloe Harper. Um, not so much that he was older than her, he was 13 years older than her. So he was 35 when they got married, um, and she was 22, because Charles Carroll himself, he, there was a 12-year age difference between him and his wife. And, of course, on paper, Harper looks very good. You know, he's a senator and he um, has done all of these things. He speaks really well. He writes really well, but he was in debt. He was yeah. greatly in debt. Um, Which I can understand why Charles Carroll would be hesitant in agreeing of the marriage between Kitty and Robert Harper. Because, you know, again, this is wanting the best for his daughter and making sure that Kitty is left well off. So he intentionally made sure that whatever inheritance that Kitty would have, it was solely in her name because he didn't trust correct. Robert Harper. Yeah, correct. Um, and there is even a story where um, Robert Harper um, borrows against his wife's inheritance without her knowing it. Um, and so he spends the really the rest of his life in debt. And so he dies in debt. Um, you would not know that from the way the family lived. <laughs> they had multiple homes. They traveled quite a bit. Um, however, he, he was in debt. He really didn't know how to control his money, I think. Um, however, Charles Carl agrees. He, he allows the marriage, um, and they go, they go forward. Um, they have six children altogether. Um, none of them die as babies. However, Kitty will outlive all of her children, except for Emily, and she will see four of them die before they're 20 years old, so between the ages of 9 and 20. Wow. So these are things that she shares with Mother Seton. I mean, she lost her mother when she was three, just like Mother Seton. She had a sister that died, and she had 
preteen teenage children die. And so they understood each other, I think, on that realm. And I think another thing that we're not going to put a lot of focus on is that her relationship with her own husband is similar to Mother Seton with her husband, William McGeechy. In a way, they show each other. Same thing like Kitty shows Robert Harper. You know, and, and back in that time, arranged marriage was a little bit more prevalent. The approval of marriage was a must. Now, granted, with Elizabeth Seaton and William McGee, their marriage was approved, but they lived in different social circles. So it was always a mystery exactly how do they meet? How do they intertwine? Because generally, you did tend to marry within the same social circles. Right, correct. Which is probably, yeah, how they met. Now, um, Kitty and Robert did not always have a great marriage. I mean, I think that they... um, married because of like you were saying because of their social status and where they were um she was 22 which at that time people expected her to be married um she writes a letter to him which i'll just read a little bit um there is a passage in your letter that gives me pain as i cannot misunderstand it although you are not happy at home with me you have the consolation that many men have not of being removed from the object that causes that unhappiness at at least nine out of the 12 months. Those three months, my husband, you must bear with patience and fortitude a little while longer. Heaven will at last hear your prayer and remove, remove the cause of your misery. So um, she writes really well. Yeah. <laughs> and so she spends a lot of her time at their home in Annapolis. He spends a lot of his time in Baltimore. Um, but obviously, I mean, they have six children and they do agree on some things. The education of the children, um, for sure, is something that they put as a priority. And even though he was not Catholic, he still appreciates the Catholic faith um, and wants them at Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. And so they definitely share that. And they shared um, their love of Elizabeth and her family, her children. So tell me, Lisa, did Kitty ever come to form a friendship with Mother Seton given their similarities? Um, it seems that when Mother Seton was in Baltimore in 1808, 1809, they spent time together, dinner parties and social events. Um, when they are here in Emmitsburg, um, it's it's more just letter writing. I think we don't see her come here nearly as much as we see Robert Seaton coming here to check on the girls, give advice. He really became involved in the academy and helping them to make decisions. Um, there is a letter which we'll talk about in a few minutes where it seems that Elizabeth is very well aware that uh, Kitty has the money and and when she writes asking for money. Now, hey, got to work with and people which, in high places. Which Elizabeth knew how to That's do. That's great. Um, so what's interesting about their two families is they actually cross paths without either, either one of them realizing it um, as early as um, 1800. So you mean the Seton family and the, and the Harpers do eventually cross paths at some point in time without realizing that that crossing path will establish a connection much later on. Right. And we saw right. that with some of the Catholic priests. And yeah. when William McGee was doing um, correspondences across the Atlantic Ocean back to Italy for the Felici's family, right. which would be a whole other topic. But it's just funny how 
it's such a big wide world but at the same time it's so small small yes because William does really even though we don't talk about him a lot here on our historic homes tours um he set things in motion without ever realizing it like you were saying yeah. about the Feliki family he's arranging for artwork which was their specialty to be shipped here his specialty to Bishop Carroll um, in Baltimore and so that's how they came to know each other's names and know the families um, but in this family what is happening by April of 1800 is William's business is in trouble and um, he's thinking he's going to go to prison for his debts right, right. Mm -hmm. um, and what has come on the table in front of Congress is the Bankruptcy Act. Um, it passes by one vote. And who is um, in charge of that? Who is really pushing for this to pass? Is, is Senator Robert <laughs> Goodloe Harper. Right. Um, he really thinks this is important, considering um, that people in trade especially in the New York area, um, you have something like what was happening between England and France and us kind of not being able to get things sent across the Atlantic, um, hurting these tradesmen. And he kind of just thinks that's not fair. Like why should they, their businesses be ruined and they go to prison and their families are now ruined um, for something that was out of their control. So thanks to Harper, it really does save William from going to Deputer's prison, um, even though during that time he was still very anxious about whether or not the law would uphold and prevent him from going. So he's still kind of in the way a certain period of time, both for Elizabeth and William, it, they lived in that fear of William going to prison and how they would handle that. Right, and he has to um, fulfill certain stipulations you know, which he can easily do because he's very in debt at this point. And Senator Harper, um, you know, he is writing to the newspapers, he's presenting on the Senate floor, and he's just saying to tradespeople, a bankruptcy law is highly beneficial, but it's also absolutely necessary. And William is is relieved, like you said, he is relieved because he thought he was going to prison and he has a wife and small children. And he gets relief from that. And, and he's sick. So he has a lot going on. And so this was really such a good thing for the Seton family. Um, and, you know, Goodloe Harper, Robert Harper had a big part of that. And so we do see some references, a little bit of references of them crossing paths in New York, more with Polly and her husband, Richard. Um, there is something where, um, Polly has charmed William Seaton. He found her very charming at a party. Um, Elizabeth was not happy about that. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just them traveling in social circles because Elizabeth was doing really well at this time. And she was part of the social elite of New York City. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. I'm, I'm very curious when, you know, Elizabeth looks back in time, you know, if we flash forward to her really knowing the Harper family, developing that relationship with them, does she ever look back and be like, oh, it's Polly. <laughs> I believe we did run into each other in New York. I, I think she probably does when you look at some things coming up. But, yeah, I think she, she remembers who they are. And if you jump ahead eight years and we're now in Baltimore, um, Father DeBorg, who in has... In 1808. In 1808. Father DeBorg, who has um, used... Uh, the Carol's money to get the seminary started there at St. Mary's 
Um, he encourages Elizabeth when she gets to Baltimore. You need to get to know the Carol Harper and Caton families. Oh, okay. So yes, I remember. They in turn offered Elizabeth, um, well, more introduce her to the Maryland socialite, the society there. And um, correct me if I'm right, but the Catons had two younger daughters, right. um, Louisa and Emily, right. and they had spent time with Elizabeth and her own daughters. Right, and they're they're becoming they're developing this relationship with not only Anna Maria and Catherine, but also Mother Seton, and they're starting to become very close to her, and Louisa especially, um, she's really enjoying being there, and so when um, Bishop Carroll suggests that she leave um, Mrs. Keats Academy and come to Elizabeth's school, her parents agree. And so Louisa really loves being at Elizabeth's school. She likes saying the rosary. She likes um, doing her prayers and the study time. And so shortly after Easter, she makes a decision that she's going to become a sister of charity. Now, she is like 15 years old at this time. Right. Um, Louisa Caton. Right. And she is cousin of the Harpers. And again, these are like some of the two families that have grown a fondness to Elizabeth Hansen's work. Right. Except they weren't really fully supportive of <laughs> right. so, what Louisa um, was thinking of, right? Well, Elizabeth Seton, uh, Elizabeth okay. is thrilled. Like, she is just thrilled that this girl of, um, she says, elegant and high society would give all of that up um, to come be a sister of charity. So she's very happy about this. Louise's father is not. And surprisingly, neither is her mother, Polly Carroll. Um, neither one of them are happy that she would um, choose to live a life not in marriage. And so um, they're very angry. Um, Louise's father confronts Father DeBorg. He thinks that um, Father DeBorg has convinced Louisa to do this, that it's not of her own free will. He wants to know why his daughter would have taken a step like this. And so things are becoming very tense um, and, you know, and they, and very problematic because now you have a very well-known family that is not very happy with Elizabeth or the school. So, well, they end up turning to the one person that, you know, in the beginning of all this, you would think that he would be the least likely person, but he really comes into play when the board turns to, Robert Harper and is seeking out for his support and advice. Right. So um, Robert becomes involved in this situation. Father DeBorg um, wants him to do something about it. Richard Caton, his brother-in-law, wants him to do something about it. And he, and he does. He gets the family and Elizabeth and Father DeBorg to agree that Louisa will take the summer to think about it. Of course, her parents are hoping that being out in society going to parties that she will decide that she does not want the sisterhood. Um, and that is exactly what happens. She decides not to become a sister. Um, and this is really the first time that we see Robert Harper like intervene on behalf of the sisterhood. Um, Specifically Mother Seton's side. Right. And it, it will not be the first time that he will do this or the last time that he will do this. So, um, yeah, so... She doesn't become a sister. Mother Seton kind of packs up and moves to Emmitsburg shortly after that. Um, and now we're moving into the spring of 1810 when we see the Harpers again. But this um, is when, you know, Mother Seton had 
arrived in June of 1809 to Emmitsburg. It takes her a while to get settled in. They were building the much larger house, which became known as St. Joseph's House. And by February of 1810, they were officially able to move out of this tiny, cramped stone farmhouse into a much larger colonial-style house um, that had better accommodation and shelter for Mother Seton and her very young community. And a couple days after she moved in, she was able to start her school. But really, um, the borders started coming in in May, which included the Harpers and some of the other prominent families. Right. So word catches on that this is a very um, good school, that they're going to have very good teachers. It's a Catholic school, a Catholic academy. And so, yeah, some wealthy families from not only Maryland, but um, the Carolinas and Virginia start sending their daughters here in New York. Um, And the Harpers make the decision to send their oldest daughter, Mary Diana, here. She's six and a half years old. Um, When she arrives, her brother Charles is sent to uh, Mount St. Mary's Seminary at the same time. He is eight years old. Um, And so they arrive here in the country, um, no servants, you know, (laughs) and um, Charles embraces it. He loves it. He loves being outdoors. He loves seeing animals he's never seen before, Um, you know, rabbits and raccoons and all kinds of things. And he is just thrilled. However, Mary <laughs> Diana was not right. so intrigued by the new atmosphere. And it's a little um, of a short-lived experience about being in the country. Like, she kind of seems like she's ready to go back to the city. Right. Right. Yeah. right. She is not happy about being here at all, right, from the beginning. Now, she is only six and a half, and her world was kind of turned upside down. Um, and she's struggling, um, you know, and at the same time, Mother Seton's trying to get this academy started. She's trying to get her sisterhood established. And she's also starting um, a free school for local girls. Um, and this is really important. And the the families, the wealthy families, the Harpers fully support this because they really believe in education. And at this time, only 20% of the, the children in the United States are being educated. Um, so they see this as a really good service. However, they don't expect their daughters to be um, educated the same way or have the same opportunities. And, and Mother Seton agreed with that in the sense that the girls that lived here locally were thrilled to be able to learn how to read and write. She didn't want them feeling bad by seeing all the privileges that the wealthy girls were getting. Um, And so it was, it was a way to try to make everyone, everyone happy here at the Academy. So um, things are very busy, and and they start to move forward. Yeah. I mean, it, it was right, like, given the historic house now that had the classroom, I mean, at that time, she had no choice but to have the all the girls share the same classroom. Um, and I know that that was a little bit of a disappointment on the Harper side and from, like, the Carol's Conway um and then Mother Seton did her best trying to eliminate that and just have them move forward. But really, you know, by 1811, you know, Mother Seton is a year and a half into her schooling. And um, things kind of take a little bit of a turn for Mother Seton herself. Right. Um, 
her oldest daughter, Anna Maria, is showing signs of tuberculosis, and so she, she is dying. She is not the first to die here. There's been several people that have died at this point. However, it's your daughter. It's her daughter. Exactly. And it's your oldest daughter. And what's interesting, though, is she turned to Robert Harper. Right. During this time. Right. And she's she's talking in a letter that she writes to him about... Um, not only Anna Maria being sick and being very worried about that, but Mary Diana is her roommate. And Mother Seen's not worried that Mary Diana is going to get sick because they didn't understand things being contagious at that time. Um, she doesn't want um, Mary Diana to witness her friend dying and, and seeing what that's like at such a young age. And I think that's really where we see Mother Seaton's compassion. I mean, it's amazing to me the things that she was able to be aware of, like, and just take into account everyone, every individual person's feelings and reactions. I mean, here her daughter's dying, but she's worried about her roommate. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and I think it's a very nice letter. Um, and she's giving reassurance to the Harpers that she will make sure that Mary Diana um, is okay as this is happening. Well, but, she writes, they're promising an admirable perspective of establishing a house of plain and useful education, retired from the extravaganza of the world, connected also with the view of providing nurses for the sick and the poor. In a void of innocence, a refuge of affliction is now disappearing under the pressures of death. Um, right. So this is the brilliance of Mother Seton okay. <laughs> and her letter writing because she starts off talking about how Anna Maria is sick. She's worried about Mary and Diana. Look at all the good we're doing here. However, we're in debt. And so she kind of just like you read through the letter and you're like, oh, wait, she's changed subjects. Yeah. <laughs> and she's now talking wow. about how in debt the school is. Um, and she continues to talk about that. And she's, you know, she says, if we sell our house to pay our debts, we will severely return to our separate homes. Must it be so? And so this is where she starts to be a little dramatic. Um, she's really laying it on that they, they are in debt and they are poor here. Um, she talks about how they've asked the boarders to have money up front and that is running out. Um, and then she says, would Mrs. Harper be interested for us? Or is this an extravagant dream or female fancy? And so she understands that it is Catherine Harper that has the money. It's okay. not Robert Harper. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of going through um, Robert to kind of say, would you plead our case to your wife? We need money. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this was hard for Mother Seton to do. She writes about having to write that letter with so much in it um, and, and having to ask for money. She did not like having to do that in this way. Yeah, but when you're worried about the academy, you know, um, and she's already established a relationship with the Harpers, specifically Mary Diana, because A, they were close to her children. They were roommates. But her daughter, Anna Maria, had died. Um, but there's Rebecca, her youngest daughter, that's also getting sick. So in the midst of all this, she, you know, she has a responsibility of the academy, too. She can't just look at it personally as well. Right, um, and, I, and I think... Um you know, considering the pressures of the world today, when you look at what she was going through at that same time, you know, she has one daughter dying, another child has just been severely hurt, and she's 
getting the first vowel group through and she's starting a school that's in debt and she's trying to teach not only, you know, smart children, academy children, but also teaching the basics to a lot of other children. Yeah, so it makes sense for her to take such strong measures. You know, like I said, it's good difficult for her to write that, but got to address Mrs. Harper. Right, (laughs) right. I mean, she, yeah, she was brilliant, I think, in this way um, and the energy that she had to do all this. Um, And as you said, Rebecca, um, her youngest daughter is now sick. She has fallen and hurt her hip to the point that she's now walking with a limp. Mother Seton at first did not notice that it was such a severe injury. And she's like questioning, like, how can just like the simple fall on ice cause so much damage? Um, So was Rebecca already sick with tuberculosis? You know, we don't know, you know, where her bones were starting to become frail. And that's why she broke her hip so severely or was because of her compromised immune system of that hip getting infected caused the tuberculosis. But yeah, Rebecca's starting to show signs of tuberculosis too. Um, Elizabeth's friend, Eliza Sadler from New York is writing um, Elizabeth, Juliana Scott writes Elizabeth. They're all concerned about Rebecca. They want her to come to Philadelphia, to New York to see doctors um, to help with the leg. But it is um, Robert Harper who comes here and he wants to take Rebecca to Baltimore to see okay. a doctor, Dr. Sherrard, who is a really good friend of the Academy too. Um, but Elizabeth is a little wary of it. She's afraid that um, Rebecca won't make the, the travel very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's concerned about the money. Okay. But I think that allowing Rebecca to go with the Harpers, um, with Robert to the Dr. Chattard in Baltimore just shows a level of trust that Mother Seaton did have, even though she's weary. I mean, she's got a lot of stress factors happening for her. Um, right. Yeah. You know, so to, I can see it. Like her, she already had the death of her older daughter. Now her little girl. Right. Really, her little girl is now really ill. It's very fearing for her. I, I can only imagine how extremely difficult yeah. And I mean, and he, you know, he kind of comes in and he's very committed, like this is what needs to happen. And let me show you that she can make the trip. He puts her in his carriage and drives her up the mountain here to be like, you know, this is how we'll take care of her. This is how we'll make sure that she's comfortable on the trip to Baltimore, yeah. which is lovely, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I think it goes back to, again, what I said earlier, you know, in the beginning when we introduced Robert Harper, he does seem a little bit like the unlikely character, you know, kind of got things going against him. And then, you know, with a little bit of Seaton though, like he is the unlikely person that people turn to for support. And he's right there readily to give it for his nieces to, um, the, the bishop, and yeah. now Elizabeth Ann Seaton, and in right. her own personal matters as well as the academy. Right. So he, I think, yeah, I think he really loved being that helpful kind of dad. Um, but, you know, what's interesting, what you were saying about Mother Seaton really trusting the Harpers, there was a lot going on in Baltimore. This is the, the spring of 1812. So um, war is happening in the oh, city. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And well, so, the War of 1812. Um, so she's letting her daughter go away, which doesn't seem far today. It's a you know forty minute drive yeah. from here, um, but for them it was an all day trip. Yeah, by carriage. <laughs> and or... it's, it's sending her into 
to war, really, because the war is happening in the city. And there are people on both sides. There's violence in the streets. Uh, and I would be terrified, like, letting my child, my sick child, go with someone else to the city. Um, but like you said, I mean, that shows how much she trusted them to take care of Rebecca as his own, as their own. Yeah. And, and so she lets her go. And unfortunately, there's nothing they can do. Once they get there and she spends time with Dr. Sherrard and his wife um, and they try different methods, um, there's just nothing they can do. So that it ends up being a very sad moment again, I think, for Mother Seton to now know that a second daughter will most likely die. Um, and then... It seems like, though, that once she gets that news, Mother Seton does embrace the daily works of the school teaching right. and is attending to those who are struggling here at the school, right. which turns out to be Mary Diana Harper is one of those that's struggling like right. on an emotional level. Right. And I, and I want to stress again that this is um, Mother Seton would have rather have just spent all day in prayer. Yeah. True, so true. having to do with all these different tasks was hard enough. And then when you have um, a student like Mary Diana, um, it, I think, made it that, to me, would have made it that much more difficult to Mother Seton. She just seemed to take it in stride. Yeah. Um, well, Mary and Diana were definitely um, a very stubborn girl. You right. know, her stubbornness was um, kind of highlighted against her brother's child perfection, you know, right. in close proximity here. Right. So. so here she's breaking every rule and throwing tantrums yeah. and disobeying and getting the other students to disobey. And her brother is a mile, you know, and a half away, two miles away. And he's writing these wonderful letters of, you know, send me New Year's gifts that are big enough to share with all my friends. I want to be generous and, you know, I want to be helpful. Very virtuous. <laughs> so, a very virtuous um, kid. Yeah, it's it's hard. And Mother Seton is trying to deal with Mary Diana. She's trying to give her um, stern punishments, which is, you know, being confined to her room or not being able to have fruit. Um, I mean, that that's about where you got with discipline here. And um, Mary Diana is refusing. I mean, she is, yeah. she has dug her heels in to fight. Yeah. And I don't know, Mary Diana's story is definitely popular among our junior history interpreters because, you know, um, Mother Seton does not believe in the corporal punishments or anything like that, but she does discipline sternly. And so one of the stories related to Mary Diana, um, when Mother Seton kind of felt like she needed to reflect on her own virtues, so she sent Mary Diana before Christ the Redeemer and have her kneel before that for about an hour, right. praying and reflecting. Right. And right. so that was probably, um, at least for a junior history interpreter, that are intrigued by that as that that it was a very stern discipline. Yeah, that was, was like, the wow. worst that it got. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that Mary Diana is not well. I mean, she is, you know, 10, 11 years old at this time, and she's complaining about stomach pains and headaches, and she's not well, but she is almost angry at the sickness. Like, the sickness is just a nuisance, and I'm mad that I'm sick. And and she still defies every rule. <laughs> she still has enough energy to fight with um, the angels, which we called sisters that were in charge of the house that day. Um I mean, she is a handful. Yeah. 
you know. Well, she does have quite the personality. And, um, but what was interesting is that Mary Diana did have a couple of times this opportunity to lead the academy. You know, like she had called St. Joseph as a vile and bad house. And she insisted that she would find it easier to be good at her own home. So she wants to go home. But yet when she had opportunity, she actually turned them down. Yeah. And she wanted to stay. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but, you know, again, Mother Seton and all her brilliance, she decides, I think what I'm going to do is have Robert Harper write his daughter who he's very close to and she's very close to him and tell her how disappointed he would be if she were expelled from the school. And that just that, you know, after years, four or five years now of fighting with her almost daily, as soon as Mary Diana gets that letter from her father, she gives up the war and (laughs) she decides that she will try to be, a good student. student. But she doesn't want to displease her father. Right. And that's understandable. Right. For any daughter with their dad, you know, it's that special relationship between dad and daughter. Right. And, and Mother Seton recognized that. Like, she was like, okay, this will work. And, and it did. And they really were able to then start having a um, better relationship. But I think it's so interesting with Mother Seton that even with all of that, when Mary Diana did, they were still close. She still thought of her as her own daughter. Um, And so this just deepens the friendship between the families. It doesn't divide it, which is interesting. Um, I think, again, um, you know, Elizabeth is grateful for all that they were doing to support her, especially with... um, you know, through Anna Maria and then through Rebecca. And now Catherine, you know, Catherine is able to go to their home from time to time. They take her in. Um, so again, I think it's going back to what we were saying, like not only did she leave an impression on them, but they left an impression on her. They, like I said, they really had uh, a strengthening of their friendship. And Right. And I think what's interesting is that, um, with Robert Harper is that he sees the good that's being done here with the poor students. And he decides to open a free school in Baltimore. Okay. And I so, that. yeah. And oh. so um, he's, she's left an impression on it. Like he's yeah. starting to okay. now see the importance and that it can be done. And that these, these poor families can get their students, their children oh. educated. And so I think that was definitely an influence that he took from Mother Seton. He saw how she was able to make that happen. Um, and he, not being Catholic himself, marrying into a Catholic family, he really took on that um, St. Vincent way of giving back to the poor and trying to help them, you know, to better their lives. And a moral obligation. Right. He really took on a moral obligation. Right to doing that. And that's what Mother Seton taught him. I mean, it's very clear. I don't think his path would have gone that way if he had not been so involved um, with the academy here. So it just Um, really, it seems like Harper's civic benevolence really proved as a secular counterpart to the Emmitsburg Centonian spirit, Centonian and Vincentian spirit here. Yeah, and and he was a busy man. I mean, he had a lot going on himself. He was a lawyer, he was a senator, you know, all this stuff going on. And now with the war going on, (laughs) 
Um, when the troops come to Bladensburg and they're about to cross the Anacostia River to enter the capital, he decides, you know what, I'm going to join up again. So he was in the Revolutionary War and now he's decided, I think I'm going to go back into service. Um, and he does. And he he joins the war. Um, he does very well, although, you know, the Bladensburg races, they called it, um, the Americans were not successful. And, mm-hmm. you know, the British did take over the White House. Um, but he's about 50 years old at this time. And, and he goes back in. Um, and I think he comes out being a general. So he gets a promotion. Wow. <laughs> so now he has something else to add to his resume. Um, so by the time we get to the summer of 1815, Mary Diana, now 12 years old, um, she's doing better. Mother Seton's able to coach her about thinking before she speaks, being patient, you know, and holding her temper. Um, and this is about the time that the family decides um, that she should go to France to finish her education. Um, and she's still not well. And so they also think that by sending her to France, that hopefully she will become better too health wise. And so Mary Diana on a very sad day, I think here um, packs up and leaves um, and heads off to France. Um, The next big thing that happens, I think is in 1817 and um, Robert Harper and Samuel Sutherland Cooper who who purchased this property from Mother Seton, they want to kind of secure the future of the Sisters of Charity by having them become like a corporation in the eyes of the Maryland government. Um, And that would allow them some benefits and some protection. And so um, being a lawyer, he's the one driving that. And so Samuel Cooper and Father Dubois um, and the council here with the sisterhood kind of all get together and decide what they want that to look like. And they go to the House and Senate and Robert Seaton petitions on their um, on their part and it passes both houses. And so with Harper's help, they were actually able to get the Sister Charity of St. Joseph incorporated. Right. Right, which it was an important major. Yeah, it was very, very important um, for that to happen in the eyes of the government, they would they would be safe. You know, um, and by this time, really, we're looking at both St. Joseph Academy and the Mount St. Mary's that have been receiving students for close to a decade. Right. Um, there's about bit more than 50 children actually enrolled here in 1817. Right. Um, even though they're focused on borders because they, again, help the, to financially supplement the responsibilities here. Um they are focused on providing education to locals at a reduced cost. So um, the institutions was really becoming important here in this region, and they were starting to create a much larger web of the well-heeled Catholic families. You know, again, the Harpers, the Carrolls, the Catons, and they all are integral to that web. Um, Right. And even though these girls are starting to get older, like Mary Diana did leave. Right. Um, and unfortunately, she did die in France. Right. But there's still the, her younger sisters, right. um, uh, Emily uh, and Elizabeth. And then you got, right, 
Sorry, the Emily or Emily and Elizabeth. Well, no, Emily and Elizabeth, Emily, Harper. Elizabeth Harper, and, and then Emily, Emily and Louisa Caton. So, uh. um, and and also by this point, Emily and Elizabeth Caton are married, and they have married very well, and they are sending money back to the academy. They're now they have become a benefactor now, and they're writing when they're seen often, um, and still having that friendship but they're paying students tuition. They're paying some of the bills and they now have become really invested in this yeah. Academy. Yeah. It's um, a good thing. It's like, I mean, right. obviously we know it was a very good thing. Right. And we know still in 1817 that mother student is writing Mary Diana. They, right. they are writing a lot back and forth. Um, she's still giving her advice, still telling her to be patient and not speak out of turn. And, um, and, you know, and she's only 14 in 1817. She's still a very young girl, uh, but she looks to Mother Seton for that advice, you know. And um, she says, you know, Mary, dear, do not let your beloved soul be buried in this low world. Look often above. And so she's still trying to counsel her and encourage her, um, even though she's in France by herself. And I do know that she does see some of her cousins, Emily and Louisa, um, visit her. Um, in fact, it's actually Louisa that, um, when she's visiting Mary Diana, realizes that Mary Diana is sick. Um, and so there still is that a little bit, but um, she's there by herself. So Mary Diana dies in early January of 1818. Um, the Harpers, they really struggle with this. They had sent their daughter away um, to finish her education, but more importantly, they thought it would help her um, become better and her health would become better. Um, and now she has died far away from home. Um, they comment on a date that they don't even know. They know she's died in January because of the mail it takes a while um, for them to discover. And they, they say in a letter to mother Seton, our darling child, our delight, our hope, um, how must her tender and affectionate heart have yearned for us? I think it's amazing, like, when you look at Mary Diana Harper's life as a whole, you know, she comes to Emmersburg when she's six and a half years old. You know, she's a boarder. Right. And her brother is two and a half miles south. And they don't, they probably did not see them, each other often. You know, maybe they saw each other on Sundays because Mother Seton does tend to go up to um, near the grotto, today's grotto, and see her sons. Um but my, my point is, is that Mary Diana, if you look at the strong personality she had and the stubbornness she had, you kind of makes you wonder, like, can't fault her for that because she's always been alone. Right. You know, like she was alone here at the right. academy. She was alone in France. She died alone, essentially. Yeah, her yeah. younger siblings came to at some point. Her cousins were here, but... I don't know. I'm very curious. Well, she, yeah, she was away from her parents, yeah. which is really, really hard. And and I think Robert Harper, in this letter to Mother Seton, he's kind of regretting that, you know. And he said that he should rejoice that Mary Diana has a, has been admitted after so short a happy um, probation to an internal reward, basically that you know she had a short um, time here on earth, you know, dealing with trials. And now she gets these rewards in heaven. Um, but he goes on to say, I taste the full bitterness of the cup, which I know that it is my duty to drink. And so he 
he's struggling, which I think Mother Seton understands. She kind of went through that, especially after Anna Maria's death, the first death of her children. Um, you know, just really struggling. Like, I know she's better off in heaven, but I'm having a hard time here, you know. And I think Mother Seton, she really um, counsels him. She doesn't want to kind of step in and say, I know how you feel. Uh, she's very compassionate in her letter back to the Harpers. Um, she says, I hesitate much, my dear sir, in daring to say a word to you at this moment, yet your Mary was my own more than you can imagine. Which I think it's really sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, though, that, again, supporting what you just said, a little bit does show grace and compassion towards Robert Harper. And um, and I think she agrees, you know, yes, she is up in heaven, you know, because that's something that she's always dealt with her entire life, that she right. knows that that's her, the eternal reward is to be in heaven. And that's what she looked for. So I think she's trying to give a little bit of hope, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and she's very positive. She, you know, she's like, even though Mary Diana had a temper, she was a lovely soul. And I feel as if I'm losing a daughter all over again. And so this is a very moving letter to me, um, yeah. you know, and just showing that compassion for this family that has lost yeah. a child. And, and I think really, you know, the Harpers did take comfort into that because their daughter, their, their younger daughters, Emily and Elizabeth, they're still under Elizabeth's care, you know. Um, and she helped turn the memory of a turbulent young woman that Mary Diana was um, into an angel for her sister to emulate. So um, I think, you know, again, they got, they, they came together and grieved. Yeah, And exactly. they supported each exactly. other again. And going back to the impressions that they are leaving on each other. Right. Um, as we move through 18, 18, 18, 19, we now have two Harper daughters here, um, Elizabeth and Emily. Um, Elizabeth, like we just said, did have a little bit of a temper, but when it was controlled, um, she was a delightful girl, Mother Seton says. But... Emily was very much like her sister, Mary <laughs> Diana. She also arrives here, you know, when she's six years old. Um, and so, and she's struggling too. Um, she really misses being at home. She's very homesick. Um, but she misses being at home because she could have whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted it, you know, and um, that, you know, she makes this comment that she could have milk and pie whenever she wanted when she was home and she can't have that here. And so she, you know, as a six-year-old, again, just like we said with Mary Diana, to go from a house that is huge and having servants waiting on you and being able to have pie whenever you wanted to come here was quite a shock. Um, and Emily is struggling, you know. And, um, you know, there's stories of her um, being upset that her parents are away. They're away in Europe, and she misses them. And Mother Seton tries to say, well, how do you think an orphan feels not having parents? And she's like, they should feel fine because their parents are in heaven. Mine are just, you know, on a trip. They need to be here. And so she is struggling, <laughs> a little bit of compassion. Um, she calls another student a pig, which Mother Seton <laughs> needs to write her parents about. Um, yeah, and so she, once again, Mother Seton's right back there 
dealing with this child that is very trying, but at the same time, you know, Mother Seton is sick. Emily brings her flowers. Um, but at the same time, you know, the sisters are saying, you know, mother is sick. How would she feel knowing that you're just giving up on your schoolwork and you're not doing your schoolwork? Um, so yeah, Emily was very much like Mary Diana. Yeah. Um, and also Mrs. Harper is sick at this time. Okay. And, um, Elizabeth writes a letter that I would cheerfully give up my life to save hers, which I think is interesting because we don't hear a whole lot about Mrs. Harper. We, we know that Robert Harper comes here often. We know that when the Harpers are away in Europe, um, her Emily's aunt Polly, Caton comes to get Emily here. Um, but we don't hear a lot about Mrs. Harper. So the fact that um, Elizabeth writes this letter of how, you know, your wife is this precious soul and I would gladly give up my life for her um, does show that there is a friendship there. Even though we don't have a lot of letters showing that, they were very close. Um, now, the, the one thing that we, a story we like to tell here is that um, Mary Diana gave Mother Seton a gift before she left. Um, it was a copy of Imitation of Christ. It was called The Following of Christ then. Um, and Mother Seton writes a reflection about her own baptism um, in that book, page 266. Um, she, she talks about her baptism and um, is just kind of writing a reflection on her own. You know, nothing probably that she thought would come of it. Um, but it is that notation, you know, what, 140 years later, roughly, that is able to prove that Mother Seton was baptized because the records at Trinity Church um, have burned and they can't find absolute proof that Mother Seton has been baptized. So here is this letter or this book, this gift that was given to Mother Seton by Mary Diana, who always wondered, why am I here? I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. And it's it kind of, you know, in a way, it's sort of like, if Mary Diana has lived or somehow knew that it was providential, <laughs> you know, like that, this right. small little act of giving a, a book, essentially a book, a prayer book to mother student that it in turn years down had, it was a huge factor in her road to sainthood. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of a beautiful story. And I like to tell that when I'm giving a tour, I like to kind of redeem Mary Diana <laughs> and tell yeah. that story. Um, because she's hopefully, you know, in heaven thinking, you know, smiling every time we tell that story. <laughs> um, and so I just think it's interesting here again. I mean, it's like Mary Diana had an influence on Mother Seton without ever knowing it. Um, yeah. As we start to move through 1819, Mother Seton is sick. She knows that she's sick. She's worried about her children. Um, and she says to her friend, Juliana Scott, that Mr. Harper, you know, interests himself so much in William. And they have sent everything to have um, Catherine with them in their home. And so he helped William, you know, get into the Navy. And they are always saying that Catherine is welcomed in their home. And she has spent... You know, the last few years, she spent a good deal of time there. Um, Mrs. Harper has even paid for her to have private lessons of art and music. 
and she spends her summers there. She's very happy there. I mean, she goes to Baltimore. She goes to Annapolis with the Harper, and she's becoming closer to them. But she is still worried if Catherine was to stay with the Harper after her own death, what would become of Catherine? Like, how would she fit in? You know, so, yeah, there is definitely a lot of letters going back and forth between Mother Seton and the Harpers um, in, in regard to both, you know, her worries with Catherine as well as her own children. And, of course, they're still kind of misbehaving. But... Um, like he tried to stay very positive on a lot of things, but I think her, her worries are there. Right. And, and it's interesting because um, by the middle of 1820, there's some letters that Mother Seton's starting to write to the Harpers. Um, she really, you know, that was Elizabeth and Emily Harper, and she's starting to think um, maybe there could be some matches here, you know, and she writes to her son Richard and says, I have two Harper girls here with me. Um, that I think that you, you might really like, you know, now her son Richard is in Italy at the time, but she's starting to like, you know, think maybe there could be a match there. Um, and thinking, especially I think of Elizabeth uh, Harper and Richard. Um, she says, I have often looked with a lovely eye on the eldest and think while her beautiful mind is a daily unfolded by me that perhaps I am doing it for you. So she's saying, am I, you know, coaching this girl, Elizabeth Harper? Am I teaching her that so that she will be a perfect match for you? Um, and she's kind of hoping that, like, this would be yeah. great. Yeah. If, you know. Um, kind of if, the marrying of the family. <laughs> right. But she doesn't stop there. She's also well, thinking I, about Charles Carroll Harper, okay. who was here, who is now at Harvard, and thinking, oh, Catherine and Charles could be a good match, too. Um, although she would like for Catherine to become a sister of charity, she's thinking, well, if she's not going to take religious vows, maybe marrying Charles Harper um, would be a, you know, a welcome possibility. It would be something that I would really like. And so she's, she's writing Mrs. Harper about this too. Like, how can we get these matches together? <laughs> um, you know, and is saying to Mrs. Harper that she would, really like to see her son with Catherine. So, you know, we don't know whatever became of that. Did Charles and Catherine know that they were hoping that would happen? Did Richard and Elizabeth Harper know that? Who knows, you know? Um, now about the same time, Louisa Canton's um, first husband passes away. Um, he goes into battle. This is during the, you know, the wars of Napoleon and he goes into battle and he comes home and then dies at home very quickly. Um, there's not much written, whether it is an illness or result of an injury. Um, and Emily Harper, I mean, I'm sorry, Emily Canton is the one that writes Mother Seton to tell her that this has happened. And she tells her that her sister is just beside herself. Like she's so distraught and she's, she can't function. She can't eat. She's so sad. And um, she says that for three days she was out of her senses. And what's interesting to me about this letter is that Mother Seton, um, she starts to wonder, like, I've never been that. I've never been that upset 
I mourned my daughters, I mourned my sister-in-laws and the sisters of charity that have passed away, but I have never been so beside myself that I couldn't pick myself up and continue to function. And so she writes her friend, Juliana Scott, and is like, do I have a hard heart? Am I kind of a cold person? Um, and I think what's interesting is that Juliana Scott, who was Mother Seton's lifelong friend who never becomes Catholic, never really becomes involved with the academy, still, and has not seen Mother Seton for years, still knows her so well to be able to write back to her. It is like, no, you just knew that they went to a better place. Yeah. You have that faith that God is taking care of them. Yeah. She said that her, your hard heart does not come from insensibility. It was a fruit of a lifetime of labor, meaning a lifetime of grief, of right. death, and right. having to understand right. what is involved in that right. and, and, and carry on. Right, forward. and separation, separating that sadness that you have, never, you know, not seeing that person until you hopefully get to heaven, missing them here on earth, and the peace at knowing that they're in heaven. Yeah, well, it's putting trust in God. Right. I mean, bottom line. Right. Elizabeth and she trusted God. So therefore her emotions was not or lack of emotion was not in any way a reflection of being insensitive. Right, or a lack of love. Or a lack know, of love. Or sadness. Um and so um yeah, and so I think that that was kind of beautiful that here's a friend you haven't seen in years, you know, you write sporadically, still knows you so well and is able to kind of look from the outside in and have that reflection about you. And I think that was very comforting to Mother Seton. And I think this late into 1820, when she's sick, was something she needed to hear. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that is going back to that at that time, Mother Seton herself. I just very curious. I think she was expecting her upcoming death. I think that she she was ready to die. Um, yeah, and she decides to start making sensible arrangements. Right. And um, and she really does look towards the harbor at this point for Catherine now. Right. If for them to take Catherine in after her death. Right. Um, and what's really interesting to me is that Catherine is becoming very close to Emily, and there's a 12-year age difference, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, at, you know, at 20 and 8, that's a big age difference, but they're very close. You know, this friendship is beginning to grow here. Um, and, yeah, and Mother Seton's trying to start putting things in order. Like, you know, Catherine will most likely go to the Harper's, um, Father Dubois really cautions that Catherine should not stay here and be a sister of charity if that is not truly what she wants to do. And she needs to go explore the world. She needs to think about that and leave here. And the best place for her to leave and go to is the Harpers. So not only does Mother Seton write that to the Harpers, but Father Dubois does as well. You know, And he's trying to get that in place for Mother Seton. But here it is, October. Mother Seton's going to die in like three months. Yeah. And yet we have Richard, <laughs> her son, Richard, who was supposed to be in Italy. And all of a sudden he's in Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah. And um, 
Mother Seton. And no one knows why. <laughs> and no one knows why. And so what does is, what is Mother Seton do? She writes to, to Robert Harper and um, she basically is saying to him, I know you're very busy, um, but could you please help? <laughs> you know, I'm very worried. I'm very frightened. Um, and I, and if you find this request unreasonable, then just put my letter aside and, and do not worry. Um, but if you can at all, could you please help? And so I think that that's interesting because she's, she's very sick and she is trying to put everything together. And the last thing that someone wants to do is die being worried about your children. Right. Yeah. You know, and and so she turns to the Harper family. Yeah. You know, we see it again and again, and and he does he does help. Um, she continues to write about Elizabeth and Emily and their progress at the school. She's still keeping him informed, um, which I think is is great. Um, by November, it's uh, again Father Dubois and uh, Robert Harper that convince Elizabeth to write a will. But she does. Which and she we have does. it on our wall here <laughs> at the historic St. Joseph's house. Right. Um, I, I was actually unaware of that. I did not realize that, um, again, Robert Harper was involved in that. So that's yeah. interesting. But then again, he's a lawyer. So right. he's having that mindset, you know, knowing that the conversations are happening of can Catherine come into his home after she died. Right. Can you please help with Richard? And do you have a friend right. in Virginia? What can you do? So, yeah, so he's like, okay, we need to get all the ducks in order. Right, um, and and it's in that same month of November that Catherine receives a letter from her brother, Richard. And um, she doesn't want to give the letter to her mother. She takes it to Father Dubois, who um, he even makes a comment um, to Bishop Carroll, like, I have no way to help this boy. <laughs> like he, he is just, you know, trouble. And um, so he also goes to Robert Harper and is like, what can we do to help him? You know, and um, he explains to Harper that I, we don't, Catherine and I do not want Elizabeth to know that this is happening. Um, so if you could send him some money, he says that if you send him money, he will promise to come and see his mother. So what they don't know is that Richard's already written to Harper and asked for money. And, um, and he says, Richard says to Robert Harper, to pretend, sir, to give an account of my reasons for leaving Leghorn in Italy to you would be useless. Um, he, so he's saying... I'm not going to say why I left Italy, um, but kind of if, if you want me to come see my mother, then I need money to do that. Um, I was, I'm very curious if Harper saw maybe a little bit of himself in Richard, because remember, he kind of put himself in debt too. Like he wasn't right. always great with money. And we know that Richard also had money woes because he, he would even go to Catherine and basically ask her for money. So. Right. And I mean, and Richard says, you know, to Robert, I would give half my life to see my mother, but I fear I shall never again. So he is, um, he's laying it on. <laughs> he wants money. He wants to come see his mother. And, and hopefully he did. I mean, hopefully he really did want to see her before she died. Um, I think Robert Harper was, and Father Dubois and Catherine, like whatever it takes, just get him here. Um, 
And so he does come um, and to see his mother. Um, they have told her nothing of the troubles um, and how it took to get him here. And so it is late December um, when he arrives here at St. Joseph's house. Um, there's no record of what was said in that conversation between them or what he did here. Um, Sister Cecilia Conway wrote that Elizabeth knew it would be the last time she would see her son. Um, and Richard, for his part, he had watched two of his sisters die. He had watched his sister-in-law's die. And, I mean, I'm sorry, his aunts um, die. And... Um, so basically, he just could not bear to see he his mother sick. And so he stays for an incredibly short time he, and leaves. So it's basically, you know, kind of wonder, did the love and the shame that had brought him home had also quickly drove him away? Right. Right. And, I mean, we don't know where Richard goes at this point. I think months later, he ends up in New York um, working on a family farm. But it is the last time that Elizabeth will see him. So Elizabeth dies a few weeks later. Um, and I think it's interesting here. There's a, a letter that Charles Carroll Harper wrote. He's now at Harvard. Um, and, and he writes this in reflection after hearing of Mother Seton's death. Um, I love to contrast Mother Seton's piety with the austere virtue of some, which becomes a torment to others. The young man wrote, I love to compare her agreeable conversation with the hypocritical cant of those who can talk of nothing else but heaven, penance, and conversion. Mother Seton did not put on a sackcloth and walk barefoot in the streets as if to say, see how good I am, but she accommodated her disposition to that of others. With the ignorant, she was simple. Among the learned, she was instructive. She smiled when her friends were gay and the afflicted were consoled to see her weeping with them. So I think, you know, we, we don't know how much influence she had on Charles Carroll, who was at Mount St. Mary's and then Harvard, but he got her. <laughs> I mean, he understood what she was about and he, yeah. he loved her. Just beautiful. Yeah. Um, Father Duvall writes, um, Robert Harper immediately after Elizabeth's death and, and right away is like, you know, Catherine um, looked like she was struck by lightning and um, I would like her to come immediately to, to be with you guys. And, and um, so Catherine leaves. She takes her little red notebook that her mother had put all kinds of advice in. She takes her mother's wedding ring um, and she, she leaves and she moves in with the Harpers. It's a few months later when William arrives, um, in Boston, this is when he first hears of his mother's death. Um, and he says, I have received the dreadful blow that levels all my hopes. And he again goes to Baltimore to see Catherine and he spends the summer of 1821 with the Harpers and he can't bring himself to come here, you know, wow. to see his mother's grave where he's finding comfort 
Instead, he continues to pursue his naval career, and Catherine is still remaining with the Harpers. Um, yeah, and, and she stays there for the next 20 years. She leaves occasionally to see family in New York, to travel Europe, um, but that becomes her home, you know, and and some things have happened, you know, start to happen there. Um, Robert Harper dies a few years after Mother Seton. Um, he's in his library reading the newspaper, and he dies of a heart attack. Um, he dies in debt. Um, his father-in-law, Charles Carroll, is still living, doesn't die for another seven years, um, and he is heavily in debt to him when he dies. Um, and like I said, Catherine stays there. She starts to enjoy society. She becomes closer to um, Emily Harper, who never marries, by the way. So the two of them become traveling companions. Um, and she starts to enter society. And people say of her that she had beauty, wit, and social accomplishments. Um, the other interesting thing that, um, that happens is that she has a couple marriage proposals. And one of them is from Stafford Canning, who is a British ambassador. Um, this was before 1825 when she okay. was living with the Harpers. And so maybe they introduced the two of them, maybe hoping for a good match, um, someone that would be able to take care of, of Catherine. We don't know. Um, in 1834 is when... Catherine takes her second trip to Europe and she travels with Mrs. Harper. Yeah. And, and her daughter and her well, Mrs. Harper's daughter, but her girlfriend, Emily Harper. Right. And they they travel. <laughs> they go to England, France, Italy, Switzerland, Germany, Belgium, Holland. Um, they climb the Swiss Alps at least twice in the time that they're there. They're going to parties and really having a great time. And Catherine's learning a lot, you know, and she's she's becoming closer to the Harpers. Um, now, when did Mrs. Harper die? Um, she dies, I think, she dies after her son and after her father, I think somewhere in the 1850s. Okay, because Emily really takes on the inheritance. From the Harper from, family. From yeah. her, her mother. Right. Um, because remember, in the beginning... Her father, Carol, right. did not want the inheritance being left to Robert. Not that he ended up having to worry about it anyway, because he died before Mrs. Harper did. But right. um, Emily continues to stay involved with the Academy, um, and she even purchases with inheritance the altar for the new church that was built here on the campus. Right. I mean, Emily continues to be very involved with the school. And as they're building the new church in 1841, she pays for the altar. She's paying students tuition. Um, she's buying supplies for the school. And she stays very close to Catherine because as Catherine goes on and becomes a sister of mercy, I mean, it's as late as 1851 when Catherine wants the Sisters of Mercy to have a place right. to vacation and Emily offers up her home. And so they, they continue to stay close. These um, two families were more than acquaintances. They were family. Um, they wrote back and forth. Mother Seton wrote the Harpers more than any other family. They care very much for each other and for each other's children. Um, so yes, they, the Harpers helped here financially and with making decisions, but 
Um, it was more than that. They were really, really close. Um, they were family. And I think we continue to see that um, as time moves on. Um, Emily becomes very close to Catherine. They stay lifelong friends. But Emily also um, continues to give here at the academy, but also after Catherine becomes a sister of mercy, she gives to them. She allows Catherine and the sisters to stay at her summer home. Um, she's paying students tuition. She bought the new altar for the church in 1841. Really, as, as Emily becomes an adult, she starts using her money for good. We saw that with her parents. We saw that with her siblings. And I think that was Mother Seton's influence. Yeah. So you really saw it through Emily, the influence of Mother Seton on the Harpers. Um, again, yes, they helped her financially. And then they reached out to each other for the friendship too. You know, Mother Seton reached out to her. Robert Harper a couple of times for advices and support. Right, right. And um, I think, you know, the impression that she left on them kind of goes back to teaching them how to give back. Right. You and know, helping you know, we wouldn't, we don't know what Mary Diana and Elizabeth would have done, although we saw the influence that she had, Mother Seton had on their character. But when you think about the letter that Charles Harper wrote after Mother Seton's death, I mean, he wasn't even here at the Academy. He was close by, but he saw her compassion, her love, her understanding for all walks of life. And I think that that ended up being a reflection on his sister, Emily, too. Um, she gives a party when she's in her 70s for Cardinal Gibbons, and she invites um, Mother Elder at the time. And what's interesting about that is Mother Helena Elder was a student at the same time. Emily was a student, but she was a very poor student. And they would not have mixed in society. And yet Emily um, doesn't care about that anymore. Like she recognizes people for where they are. And I think she learned that from Mother Seton. Well, I think again, it goes back to in the early days when Mother Seton first established her school and was having the day students and then the border, they had to be in the same classroom together, you know, right. as much as the social statuses was very different and generally right. would not have mixed. Right. But they were under those circumstances. Right. So it and didn't leave an impact. Right. On, and we're taught the, to have compassion for each other and do works of charity, which Mother Seton insisted that all the girls do yeah. um, for the surrounding area. And um, I think that, that that changed Emily Harper's life. I think yeah. it changed all of their lives. All of the Harpers, you know, um, in the, Really, the Harpers, they were good Catholic. Right. You know, again, just going back that Mother Seton taught them about the charism of charity. Right. She taught them how to do good works. Yeah. Well, today we have a special treat. We actually have two of our um, JHIs, Junior History Interpreters, with us. They portrayed two characters that actually were students um, during Mother Seton's time here at the Academy. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So why don't you say your given name and then say your character's name and a little bit about your character. All right. Uh, so I'm Celia Love, but I play Emily Harper. I am Rosemary Love, and I play Elizabeth Harper. So you were both part of the Junior History Interpreter Program. Um, why did you want to do the program? Well, it sounded really cool to, like, get into costume and 
teach people about Mother Seton. Yeah, I um, I wanted to do it because I've lived in Emmitsburg almost my entire life, and I didn't really know that much about Mother Seton other than that she taught girls and just like kind of like the basic facts. So I wanted to learn more about her because I've lived here and we've been coming to Mass at the Shrine for so long. So it just seemed like a good idea to learn more about the saint that, was, that lived so close to us. So at the beginning of the program, we had workshops where you learned different skills and you learned how to do research. So what has been the most fun and what has been the most difficult, I'll say? Well, I liked making ink. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Making ink out of berries. We had to be careful with that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite workshop was the one where we um, learned about all the costume parts and worked on our bonnets. That was probably my favorite one. Okay. And what was the most challenging, do you think? What's been the most difficult? Um, the most difficult part was probably, I don't remember if this was a workshop, but it was probably doing all the research, like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Research on our all the letters. Yeah. Like all the research of like, do like of researching our characters. That was yeah. probably the most difficult part for me. Like, I don't think that was a workshop, but. Yeah, but we looked through like a lot of letters between Mother Seton and our. The Harper family. Yeah. Yeah. So have you learned like about historic fiction, historic research, and the importance of being accurate in your telling of a story? Yes, yeah. definitely. Okay. How do you guys were doing your research? Were you finding some similarities between the character you're researching and yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, sort of. Like Elizabeth had uh, younger siblings that she had to take care of. Now you have to do that. So, like, that kind of, like, relates, uh, that kind of... Relates to who you are. Yes. And you, in particular, were able to travel Europe. You went to France, yeah. which yes. your character did also, and you both share a love of art, yes. painting. Mm -hmm. So how do you hope to, like, incorporate that going forward in your, in your program? Oh, in the program, um, well... Like during tours and things, I can be painting or um, I could talk about how I've been to Europe. And it's easy for me to talk about that stuff because I like doing it or I have done it. Right. Right. And Cece, what about you? Do you Are you similar to your character in any way? Yeah. Uh, Emily was kind of feisty. <laughs> and sometimes I can be like that when I'm at my house. What was it like to engage with visitors the first time? Um, I was, what? I was kind of like scared but excited. Yeah, that's how I felt. I was like nervous but really excited to do it because I've never really done anything like that before. Has it gotten easier? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so you have the opportunity, both of you have the opportunity to meet, um, I guess, a celebrity of sorts. Lucy Johnson, President Johnson's daughter, came here for a visit. Mm -hmm. What was that like? That was very exciting. But it like was. Very, like, I was very nervous. It kind of uh, made me think of my first tour, that, like, first part of the tour that I've ever given, 
Yeah. It was, um, like, it made me really nervous, but also super excited. Yeah. So, for you, Rosie, we wanted you to talk about um, your character is very wealthy, right? Yes. And, and had the benefits of an education even before she came here. But we wanted you to talk about, um, to Mrs. Johnson, about what it was like to have students that could not read or write. So this school was also a free school. So orphans came here um, and they were poor families that lived in the area that would send their daughters here. They could not read or write. And you were able to speak to what that was like, right? Yeah. In your character. Right. And I think that really impressed um, Lucy Johnson a lot for to be able to hear from a wealthy student what it was like to do that charitable work of helping the right. poor. Yeah. What do you like to talk about with the visitors? Um, What's your favorite room? My favorite uh, room is probably either the chapel or the, um, or the school room in the White House. And what do you like about those rooms? Um, well, I like in the chapel, I like how the altar is shaped like a manger. I like telling the story of Mary Diana your older Chapel. sister, my your older character's sister, older sister. My character's older sister, Mary Diana. She was like your younger sister, right? Little feisty. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Cece, what do you like to tell the visitor? Uh, well, I like to be in the work basket room because I can like work on my bonnet um, and I can like talk to the visitors. So what is a work basket room? It's basically where you um, mend and like, so, and cross stitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was your mentor when we did the research and I helped you with the research. And I remember as we kind of went through the research and you learned about how important your family was, not only in Baltimore, but really in the United States. Your father did a lot. He was a senator, a lawyer. Um, he even opened a free school for poor children in Baltimore. And then your grandfather signed the Declaration of Independence. So um, right. when you did that research and you got to see the home that these girls grew up in and you got to kind of hear some of those stories, how did that make you feel? Um, kind of made me feel more like a order. Because <laughs> I feel like more important. Yeah. Kind of. Because like, like our our character's house is super big. Yeah, I made me kind of feel like my role was, like I needed, not only was I, like, like did, I, did it make me feel more important, it made me feel like I needed to behave better than I normally would, or like have better manners and things, mm -hmm. because I would have brought been brought up that way. So you think it yeah. changed the way that you did your character? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so you guys had a chance to really see the difference between an academy student and a St. Joseph girl, which is sponsored by the Sister of Charity and the Free School. Um, knowing the involvement of the Harper's family, does it also change your perspective of how you are as a student compared to some of the other interpreters, JSI interpreters that are in the Free School? Um, I don't know, it's like kind of a complicated question. 
Do you think it's because you guys are all friends? So then knowing that you're a border and they have to portray a character that is considered St. Joseph girl, you think that you don't see that line cross, you know, the line being defined because you guys are already friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's harder today because you we don't think about that so much, I think. I mean, maybe some kids still do, but there was definitely a divide then. But because the JHIs that we have are all friends, I would imagine it is hard to try to say, oh, I, I'm not going to talk to you, <laughs> you know. So what are you guys looking forward to in the next year? You're both staying with the program for another year at least, hopefully more. But yeah. what would you like to do in the next year? Um, I'm really excited to, Grace said, Miss, the dressmaker, Miss Grace, said that um, we might learn how to make our own dresses. That will be really fun. I'm also just really excited about giving tours to people. Yeah, I'm excited on improving on my character. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. I think you really added to our podcast a little bit to hear what it's like to portray the characters that we just talked about. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us today, um, listening to our story of the Harpers and Mother Seton and their friendship. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. Yeah, thank you, Lita. I mean, I even learned something new myself today. And I, I already said in the beginning, I love the story of the Harpers and how they were involved in um, with Mother Seton here in the early years here in Emmitsburg. So, but before we go, like, what can we expect next time? Well, upcoming, we have um, the Civil War Sisters, and then we'll be highlighting one of those sisters, Sister Anthony O'Connell. Um, I love Sister Anthony O'Connell. Yeah. She is such a great story. Yeah, yeah. she's a good one. Um, and so these are all stories that happened years after Mother Seton's um, passing that I think you'll still see that thread of her influence. Wonderful. Well, thank um, you. And thank you, everybody. Um, again, until next time.